Welcome to Storytelling Breakdown. I'm Caleb Meyer. I'm Larissa Whitaker. I'm Steve Stahoski. And I'm Ben Clemmer. Welcome to Storytelling Breakdown, the summer blockbuster spectacular. I wish I had one of those boards to go beam, 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 like a soundboard. Or what's the, like the THX sound effect? We're shaking. Okay, uh, clearly I should be not drinking caffeine before we do these episodes, and I should stick to my status quo of beer or alcohol of you some You started kind. with a monster and then I moved know. to Mountain Dew, so and you're just, on some wild stuff. We just had the most chaotic opening minute that we've had in the history of this podcast. I love it. Today we are celebrating the blockbusters we've loved in the past to get excited for all the awesome blockbusters coming out this summer and to return to the movie theater. So to help us dive in, first, would each of you like to share your one of your favorite memories of seeing a blockbuster in years past? I'll start. I think my favorite summer blockbuster viewing experience was the very first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. What? So it came, yes. It came out in August, August. of 2014. I also remember seeing Guardians of the Galaxy in the theater, but this isn't my story. It's yours. So. Uh, so I went to go see it. And, you know, at that age, me and all my friends were like teenagers. Um, but I went to go see it with all of my friends. You were graduated high school, but... Yeah, still, still teenagers, teenager. though. Yeah, uh, sure. And my father. It was just a fun viewing experience. It was you, all your pals, and your dad came also? Yep. What did he think of the movie in comparison he to the rest it. of the group? I think that's why it was so much fun, especially because of the music. Because, like, my dad was sitting to my right side. He's the then, right age for that soundtrack. Yeah, and then yeah. all my friends were on the left. And it was so cool to see, like... Because we, we knew most of the songs, but then some of them, like, you know, you only kind of know... But, like, any time one of the songs would play, like, my dad would, like, get a big smile and start laughing because he's like, oh, yeah, this is a great song. <laughs> and it, it, it was so cool to see how the soundtrack just bridged that generational gap. And, like, mm. we all just, like, loved it and vibed with it. It was fantastic. Yeah, come to think of it, I think my dad likes Guardians simply for the music and little to nothing else. <laughs> he's not a big superhero movie person, but he does like Guardians. And because I, the music, I though, really right? do. I think it's probably just the music. I like. Good to have those connection points. Mine is a similar experience where I remember I loved watching movies growing up, and I would constantly pester my family to sit down and have a family movie night and watch a movie with me, and they would be so 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 reluctant. But I was so persistent that it became more convenient to just sit down and watch a movie with me than to listen to me continue to ask about it. So when we went and saw the Avengers together, though none of them, besides my brother, had a real passion for superhero movies, it was the same thing, that it was shocking that we had all enjoyed the same story together and had a good time watching it. And it it wasn't the same idea of bridging the generational gap, but the same experience of like feeling the sense of togetherness through watching a movie. Dad took me to The Revenge of the Sith. Um, when it came out in, in May of 2005. Which would make you... Uh, would have made me... I would have been in fourth grade. Huh. And uh, he took me out, and it came out... The school year wasn't over yet. We did not go to the midnight premiere because my dad was like, nah, brah. But he did take time off of his work day, and he took me out of school to go see it during, in the afternoon, and we went and saw it together. And that was great. And then we all walked, walked out of the theater going, wow, that was depressing. Um, but, you know, it was that was a really cool experience. And I loved that, especially since Dad's the one who showed me Star Wars in the first place and showed me Indiana Jones in the first place and those kinds of things. So it was, that was a really cool experience. 
I think my favorite summer blockbuster going experience was probably Endgame or Infinity War. Mm. Just because it was it was the culmination of like a decade of waiting and watching and getting hype. And I went with a with several people, my wife, then girlfriend, now wife, and and others. And that was that was a blast. And we went to Cold Snow Creamery beforehand. And we went to Steak and Shake afterwards. And ah. it was, yeah. Showed so up. Absolutely. <laughs> and I slept like a baby that night. <laughs> I was thinking about this today because the Star Wars prequels, both for age and timing, would have been a good choice. But I think my growing into adulthood has maybe like changed some of those memories because for so long it was so easy to just kind of just drag the prequels uh, in hindsight. Although also in hindsight, I think their stock has gone up. Uh, the experiences that I would think about. Yeah, no, no, I, I like them more now. A lot of tension at this <laughs> yeah, one table. We're good. And I, there are other movies that I thought of that w- would have made sense for this. Uh, there were Harry Potter entries where I had midnight showings, or at least one. Uh, Deadpool came to mind as well. Uh, some also fond memories attached to Age of Ultron, but the one that I came back to as, okay, what am I picking as the, the, the top pick here? Of course, I'm going to go with Batman, so it's going to be The Dark Knight. came out in July of 2008, and I went with that one specifically because I remember like weeks or months out, which was easy to do because the viral marketing campaign for the movie was insane. That marketing campaign yep. was perfect. Mm-hmm. And because we had everything from the merchandise and like the Harvey Dent uh, memorabilia, yeah. some of which I still have, to the fact that we got to see like the first opening heist sequence was dropped before the movie even came out. And it's like, oh, this is going to be amazing because it got leaked. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll just put it out there in actual quality so people can see this. And so I could not have been more hyped up for it. I was even going through the the process of (laughs) trying to coordinate. As a kid in junior high, I wanted to have these friends see it and these friends see it, which given I had gone to one grade school for like the first like six years of my education and then was going to another grade school at that time. It's like, yes, I want to see these friends from this school and make friends from here trying An to get all that organized your whole life oh, <laughs> well, i just remember it just being chaos to get it done and then i do want to give one shout out uh to a friend who's not been on the podcast but we'll have to get him on someday and i might embarrass him a little bit because uh, we've had uh fathers dan and steven from the deosville podcast on mm-hmm. uh i one of my friends growing up uh, is now uh, Father Logan Parrish, and he's uh, stationed uh, up in Goshen and is about to become a pastor in Elkhart. But of course, he was one of the friends along for the ride for seeing The Dark Knight with this group in 2008. And I will always remember him kind of jumping or feeling like his reaction when the fake Batman body hits the window of the mayor's uh, office. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that beat is the me biggest still. jump scare in the movie. <laughs> so it's understandable. And, and, and the film... Uh, remains I- iconic for so many reasons and and i remember even as a kid like uh, just understanding how, how tragic it was that we lost heath ledger uh, months before the film came out uh and so that one just with everything that led up, that had led up to it and the experience on the day and the fact that i will often with things i'm really excited about try to diminish expectations like oh, it might suck don't 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 make it bigger <laughs> than it is but that one overshot everything i could have possibly imagined
all the Bond movies, like I would have put those in my list, except all the Bond movies I remember coming, like the Daniel Craig's, they've came out really, really close to my dad's birthday. And that's in November. Right. So summer blockbuster. No, not at all. So for those movies, I would go with dad. Do you want to talk about the definition of blockbuster and where yeah, the term is, comes from? Because like I've got Scott Pilgrim versus the world on my list. I really don't think that technically counts but i did see it in the summer and i loved seeing it in the summer but yeah yeah, let's let's talk about some etymology here yeah so there's no uh, i mean basically the the consensus what it means the definition is just that it is you know a work of entertainment mostly a film that is very popular and very successful with a very large budget and Mm. big name stars in it but yeah i think you know if it doesn't make much money then you can't consider it a blockbuster. It has to be financially successful. Is that about the money that's invested in creating the film and then it can flop and still be a blockbuster? Like I don't it was think so. I think it has to, to be, be a blockbuster. Successful. I do Ooh, think, I so think it's yeah, something part you of the, earn. Yeah, yeah, I think part of the, that, that some of them are is... big surprises. Like, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was a big surprise. They didn't yeah. think it was going to be as popular as it was, and then it made a ton of money. That said... Pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean, same way. And again, well, well, they had, they had summer, to have thought that that was going to make a lot of money. And not to so tip my hand here, make. but like, I think we can also, in some cases, maybe retroactively go back and add a movie to the list if it obtains something of a cult status later. Thinking back to our... Hey, se- Scott Pilgrim does or, count. Or thinking back to our second season, something like the Blues Brothers. Yeah, Because yeah. that did not do as well initially, but now is looked back on as a classic. True. But is that yeah. a different category of thing? I think that's a different category. I think, like, when you think <laughs> of that away. in your head, you think of, oh, like, everyone went to go see it, and it was this big, like, Like cultural a cultural event. moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, place. the term mm-hmm. comes from the bombs that were dropped in World War II and showing all the, like, movie reels, like, the war footage before movies of all the blown-up sidewalks and stuff. Blockbusters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Dark. Yeah. Dark origins. And just like that, just how the bomb had a big impact and caused all this, you know, havoc and chaos. Mm-hmm. So did the movie. Here's a question I have for y'all. So before lockdown and COVID and all that, do you remember what the last movie was that you saw in theaters? Because to me, going to see a movie in the theater is quintessential to making it a blockbuster experience. I cannot remember the last, the last movie I saw before shutdown. Mm. The last movie I remember seeing in theaters was No Time to Die. But like across the board, that's the last movie that's you've the last seen movie in the, the, in the most recent. And that came out in 2021. <laughs> we got to get so, you back out there, yeah, Steven. No, I'm, I'm, well, I've got three kids. Yeah. I'm all under the age of well, four and under. So uh, movie theaters are very long chunks of time <laughs> and not in the something evenings, I have. Yeah. Did Avengers, like the last Avengers come Endgame out came out in 19. Venom? And I think that would be my answer. Did the last Avengers come out? You guys in... don't go to the movies very often, do you? Was that what? was it Venom? Because I didn't see Venom. Hold on, <laughs> the pandemic. Actually, mm. I need to know this. Before then, it was mostly like superhero Actually, movies or like specific directors that I. Liked. I withdraw that mm-hmm. statement because Endgame would have been followed by Spider-Man: Far From Home. I didn't see Far From Home in theaters. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, Endgame would. It was followed by Joker. That might have been my last. Didn't see that one either. I still haven't. I did see Joker. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Joker in theaters. Was the wait? So I saw Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I saw that too. Was that I saw in theaters before the shutdown? Okay. I mean, I saw that one in theaters. Mm. Here's a question I have though, because I think that there's something so wonderful about the communal experience of seeing a movie together. What is it that you all get out of going to the movies, if anything? 
I have a story that can answer that question. This It's not a summer blockbuster because it came out in February, but the very first Kingsman movie, mm. packed theater we were in, and after the church fight scene, there was a guy in the very front row who just stood up and started clapping. And I think that's what you get out of yeah. going to... Just by, like, just by himself. He was just like... <laughs> Amazed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember That's going a proportional to reaction. Like the last Avengers packed theater, mm-hmm. midnight premiere, and and it being just the whole audience there, completely engaged and ready for everything, and crying and clapping and shouting and cheering and all that jazz. Like it's it's what live theater was. Yeah. It's energy when it's full, but it's it's mm-hmm. that special. It's that energy. It's that performance energy. The difference being that what's happening on the screen can be watched and rewatched and rewatched whereas what's happening on a stage it's just that one time but the one time that you see it with that particular group of people for the first time you yeah. know it's not exactly the same as having like a theater experience that's just once i do think there's also something unique about like you're never going to be gathered with this random group of strangers again to see this movie mm-hmm. oh for sure well, and i look looking back on it like college like, like, I mean, and we're, we're obviously going to spend some time talking about how things changed during the pandemic with this. But I remember just during college, like I did not regularly get to movies or have the time, money and interest line up <laughs> with mm-hmm. something that I was specifically going to see. And occasionally it did. Uh, but that was kind of where it's like, OK, we're going to fewer of these now. And then post pandemic, as I was thinking about it, it was like, I think I saw one in theaters in 21 and it was ghostbusters afterlife again wanting the energy wanting the experience seeing it on the big screen seeing it with family because the ghostbusters franchise is so significant in, in in my family and then in 22 it, i think i just saw the batman and uh doctor strange and the multiverse of madness and the the former because it's a batman movie and the latter because i didn't want the internet to tell me how it went <laughs> so that was Yo, that's the story on that well the one. other thing about summer blockbuster movies and this is a little bit of spoilers for no question you're going to ask later on in the pod but you can see them at drive-ins you're going to go see the new fast furious i'm going to go see drive-in? fast x at a drive-in fast and furious 9 is the first movie i saw back in the theater and it's because vin diesel told me to do you remember those ads <laughs> That they were running because it was like the first time people were returning to the theater after shutdown mm-hmm. in 2021 where Vin Diesel was like waxing poetically about the yep. beauty of going to the theater to the point where they made fun of him on SNL where they were talking about like the sticky floors and the kid <laughs> behind you kicking your seat <laughs> and like all the things that make going to a theater special. And he convinced me and it's not even the first time. Vin Diesel has told me to go see a movie or a member of my family, and we did it. Because when I I went on a family vacation at Universal Studios, and there was a big old TV in the plaza, and Vin Diesel was on that TV, and he said, you need to go see Fast and Furious 6. And my dad looked up at that TV, and he said, I will, Dom. (laughs) And then the next day... (laughs) Dominic Toretto. Family and Corona. So my family, we all went and watched the family and it was such a magical experience. It's like we're here. We could do all these other things, but we're committing the time because Vin Diesel told us we're going to go watch his movie. The big screen, the sound. It's so immersive. Those are the two reasons I, I care to go to the theater. I don't. I'd be very happy if I was the only person in there watching that movie. I'd be ecstatic. I had that experience once. What <laughs> movie? Was the, best? The, uh, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. 
What a what a fantastic movie. movie to have to that have, with too. It was just me and a, and, a, and one friend movie. of mine. At that time, we were close, and we went because we were both really excited for that movie, and there was nobody there. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I loved it. And that was a great movie to watch on the big screen. There's a lot about that movie, lots of detail that you just get shoved in your face, and then you put it on a massive screen, and it's like, oh, yeah, great. I it also it. depends so where excited. you go. I will shout out the Bird Theater in Richmond, Virginia. The Bird the Theater? The Bird Theater is very cool. Because it's one of those old, you know, like Guild Age theaters. Uh, but they have a guy come out and play the organ, like before the movie starts. No, uh. Yeah. I want to go. It's not Maria Menounos. I, I have some. No. <laughs> oh goodness, no. Recalling visiting my brother when he lived out in D.C. There's a lot of cool stuff on the East Coast that sometimes makes you feel like you're in another time, or just as a venue that you can't really think of an easy Fort Wayne, Northeast Indiana equivalent Edge. for. One movie I do remember seeing visiting my brother in D.C. and it was hotter than all get out in the summer of 2010. So I know this was a summer blockbuster. Was that was when my first time I saw Inception. Wait, hold on. It was hot in the movie theater. No, no it was just hot in D.C. Oh, like okay. That entire trip. <laughs> D.C. was very oh, hot. Goodness, so he yeah. went to a movie theater, obviously to cool off, which was one of the main selling points of movie theaters back in the 30s. Is that a lot of them were spending enough money to get AC, mm. and that's how they caught John Dillinger. And I know this because of the movie <laughs> Public, Enemies. Public Enemies. I can't remember exactly what theater we went to in D.C. for Inception. But we also, uh, again, visiting my brother, uh, saw a show at a venue called The Birchmere, which was kind of a cool dinner and a show set up around a stage with a band. And we saw the average white band uh, there, which was really neat. Anyway, back to the whole summer blockbuster thing. I mean, just the timing, whether it's a midnight showing, whether it's a drive-in, like there, there are so many fun and interesting ways to, to create these memorable experiences. And, I, and I'm glad it's something that with this conversation, we're definitely thinking about going back to. Yeah. Speaking of drive-ins, I have been to a drive-in. I once? can't believe I forgot this. Yes. Only once. I've only ever been really? once. I had an ex-girlfriend who tried to drag me along once or twice and it just never worked out because neither of us could drive, which means we would have had to gone with her parents. This is a long time ago, but I did take Georgia and we saw guardians too. Two questions. Two part question. One, what do you think makes a good blockbuster and short follow-up question two, what do you think is the best blockbuster, period? Godfather. Did it come out in the summer? Might win in a loophole here. No. <laughs> came out in March. <laughs> Fine. It Star Wars. Count. Um, No. Uh, <laughs> what makes a good blockbuster? It's going to be, it's got, I mean, it's, it's going to be the big movie. It's going to be well advertised. It's going to be hyped beyond all recognition. I think it's bi- big special effects. It's going to get like, everything about it has to be bigger than the than than anything that has come before, or at mm-hmm. least build that way, right? And this is a factor especially as I was looking into just some blockbuster history over the last several decades, staying power. Mm. The fact yeah. because movies used to stay in theaters a lot longer and so you would have like because I was looking at uh different films over the years, it's like, "Oh, that came out maybe late summer of this year." And then was even still, if not top 10, maybe just outside of it for the following year in earnings, just in terms of, yep, people went back and they kept seeing this. That's awesome. I am not going to give a specific answer, though, so I don't give away anything from our ending activity. I I, I worry you're not going to see that anymore because, okay, Mm -hmm. I didn't go see the D&D movie. Why? Because I knew in like a week it would be available on streaming and I don't have to pay $19 a ticket to go see it in the theater when I can wait pay $19 and watch it in the comfort of my home when the kids are in bed. And if I don't make it through it tonight, we pause it. We watch the rest of it tomorrow. Mm. But I think that's the argument and the appeal of the blockbuster is it, 
it's billed as something you have to see in theaters yeah, for absolutely. the spectacle. You know, the big, the sound and like the big visuals and the, the giant property the destruction immersion. and, the and having the crowd films. with you. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you'd seen Infinity War or Endgame at yeah, I home did. for the first yeah, time, you're right. it's not the same as seeing it with the giant crowd around you. I think I saw Iron Man in theaters now that you mentioned. Nope, Sorry. No, <laughs> like trying to remember these things. Yeah. And I think blockbusters are made by stars and also help make stars. Mm. Like you have the big name actors who are the ticket draw, but then there's also like you get people who weren't super huge stars beforehand. And then, oh, you see them in something and everybody knows them now. Household that was name. one fun piece of trivia when we were looking at uh, when we just recently watched the newer version of Magnificent Seven. And when that movie was being made and Chris Pratt's in the cast, the first Guardians film had just started to really pick up momentum. And so apparently every day on set when he'd first see him, Denzel Washington would say to Chris Pratt, oh, here's the however many million dollar man yeah. <laughs> in increasingly larger and larger well, amounts as Guardians was doing better and better. And my, my example will also answer your second question, what I think is the best summer blockbuster of all time. Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park made him a huge star. I think that the undisputed summer blockbuster king may be Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's 100% oh yeah. It's, if yes. we're talking directors yeah. of who owns the summer blockbusters, it is Steven, it's Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, because it's funny There's to no look contest. back and see the rotation of, and June, here's another movie release. And then the following year, June, here's another movie release. Just, yeah, he he nailed that June's lot. Jaws. I might have to e. modify my game a little e. bit. E. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Well, because a lot Did of people will also... I don't know. But I want to have the out that some people will tack on is that they look at the what we call the blockbuster era and make Jaws the starting point. In so many cases, and actually this is one item that I know we kind of hit on early on in the podcast and we can maybe touch on a little bit more here. Are there other stories that we have as a group where we remember this as one of our memorable summer blockbuster viewings and maybe it's not necessarily because of the movie itself? I remember going to see Cars 2 because we tried to go see it at the drive-in and there was a line, they had a special, something happening at the 49er Drive-In in Northwest Indiana, and there were cars lined up all the way down the road to come in to see Cars 2. And my family came to that, and we were like, there's no way we're getting in there. So then we drove all the way to another movie theater, and we tried to go in and get tickets, and they were sold out for Cars 2, so we had to go to a third movie theater to see that movie. I didn't realize it was, worth it. was that big. It was at the time. And just the context for me, because I think I brought this up before we got to this actual recording, uh, was for me, like, the blockbuster experience that I remember the most for the Marvel films is probably actually Avengers Age of Ultron, just because of when I saw it and when mm. it came out. I saw it was, Avengers Age of Ultron at yeah. the Bird Theater in Richmond, yeah. Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I went to an Avengers film with yeah. L, mutual friend of ours. Yep. And, and a whole other crew that wasn't age of ultron was it no. i wasn't there no no timing no. wise maybe it would have been civil war yeah uh, i think it was civil war avengers yeah because because yeah. no. i remember again the avengers sh- before the shout avengers out to l she was hosting yeah, a bunch a of us after we saw age of ultron crux of that story is just the when of seeing it lined up with the end of sophomore year and finals week and just the fact that hey going to see this movie marked we're done and there was just such a massive sense of relief of let's go see this film and then we don't have to care about anything important for a while <laughs> let's yeah, go have that. a party and it was wonderful i love that oh my goodness i saw skyfall but again that's not a summer blockbuster man it's like i don't see movies in the summer apparently i also have spider-man 2 
I think which, oh, goodness, spi- which yeah. Spider-Man two? The Sam Tobey Maguire. Mm. Yeah. Spider-Man two. I think could be, you could argue. I think it's one of the most important summer blockbusters because I don't. I think without Spider-Man two, you don't have the massive superhero like boom. Explain. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the first two especially, I think showed audiences at large that you could make a superhero movie profitable, moderately quality. I, I say I think it's great. I, I love just, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 So not e- I, I caveat strike that. Not moderate. <laughs> yeah. You could make a profitable, yeah. quality superhero movie that drew audiences, like really yeah. did. And well, especially Spider-Man Two got a lot of audience draw. Mm-hmm. Well, there and were then the third one. lists, even like thinking back to early days MCU, and you could even like go a few years into the MCU, and people would still say. Spider-Man 2 is a top five, if not top five, top ten superhero film. Yeah. Because you had a bunch of, like, you had superhero movies before that. You had, yeah. like, the original Superman movies and, you know, Batman, the Michael Keaton the Batman 1989 and stuff like Batman. That. But they didn't make nearly as much money as mm. those Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah. yeah. Those were huge. And they I think, really were. you know, it told audiences and it told... Um, Execs. <laughs> and unless you got these suits on board, suits you're going to have a hard numbers, time man. getting the movie. So I think the Fast and Furious franchise, while maybe not the most, there's different tiers of what makes it successful. But to me, as a moviegoer, those are quintessential summer blockbusters. They're big. They're loud. They're nonsense. They got superstars all in them. But I just think that there's something so fun and so silly about the Fast and Furious franchise. I agree. I, I think they're they are fantastic movies. Like... They are. They're so good at being what they are. It's just pure enjoyment. Yes, that's what a blockbuster is in my mind. Wall to wall joy. Don't need a lot of substance. And there's actual heart in them because you could argue the Transformers movies, Michael Bay Transformers, same thing. Big, big special effects summer entertainment movie. You know, shiny uh, cars. Shiny cars. Get your popcorn. Get your drinks. Get your candy. Come watch this movie. Mm. But they don't have nearly as much heart as like. I think the Fast and Furious movies do. Agreed. But they do have way cooler cars because admittedly none of the cars in the Fast franchise transform. True. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. In what? nine, they turn a car into a spaceship. Oh, that's true. That it, But it does it transform or did they convert it? I suppose that's true. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> hey, James Bond had a car that transformed into a submarine in the 70s. That Your is also cool. Nothing. But which, did it talk? Which movie out of curiosity? Um, it was one of the Roger Moore films. It was a Lotus that transformed into a submarine. Okay. It's also interesting, especially to watch just different franchise temples over the year and their relationship to the blockbusters. Because we, before we even got on the mics, we talked about how, oh, we might think of this particular film fr- franchise as blockbusters, but not necessarily summer blockbusters just because of timing. They mainly go for the Christmas crowd. I think Bond was where we brought that up. Or and you'll also. recent release of Star Wars films. Yeah. And then you'll also have, it's kind of just interesting to watch how, okay, how things change and evolve as franchises kind of have their moment in the sun, they peak, and then they kind of fall off over the years, just seeing how uh, that those interactions take place. When you have things that have been around for such a long time, whether we're talking about Bond, whether we're talking about Star Wars or even Star Trek, there's different things over the years. Because I went through and was looking at box office numbers, which we will get to at least tangentially, uh, once we get to the end of this part of the podcast, as I am looking forward to throwing a game at you guys. What summer blockbuster are you most excited for coming up in this year, 2023? Fast X. I knew you were going to say that. 
It's such a good answer. <laughs> I'm so ready for it. I don't even know what's coming out this year. I'm so out of touch. I, of course, am also very excited for Fast X. I can't not be if I claim it to be the most excellent blockbuster series. I'm also really excited for the new Spider-Verse movie. That mm-hmm. is true. I do know about that one. And yeah. I am I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. I don't know if excited is the right word. Trepidatious actually might be the right word because I... It's just gonna be don't good. know. Gonna I be really good. want it to be. It's I really want it to be. It's too pretty to not be at least That's beautiful. Not, well, yeah, it'll at least look good. I want it to be. I want the same substance. I want Make the same. Feel the, the same trailers way I felt. made felt substantial with mm-hmm. like the Miles's mom's speech and. I hope so. I really hope so. So I guess that is the only one that I I even know is coming out, and I am excited for that. Will I see it in theaters? Steven. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of how strong the last entry was, Spider-Verse was on my list because I completely, we talked about this during season one, completely missed the original when it first came out in theaters and then saw it after the fact and realized, oh. Where were you That's amazing. Well, again, it It was was college. Well, yeah, it was that post-college and post-college just I'm not regularly going to movies Mm. unless there's a particularly big draw. Admittedly, by yourself, Spider-Man's never really been a big one for you. No, no, I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. That's fascinating on its own, Ben. That's a separate conversation. Well, and the (laughs) And then it's like, and then something like the Flash has so much challenge and controversy baked into it at this point. And then I've read the original comic book arc that they're kind of basing it off of in Flashpoint. Like that was probably, I think that came out in the last two years. Feels generous, so I'll say one year when I was actively buying comics in high school and college that were new yeah. and following the stories. Yeah, Flashpoint was yep twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. That sounds right. Fourteen somewhere there. So that one I'm curious about. And then regardless of the outcome, because Kingdom of the Crystal Skull left a lot to be desired. I'm still excited for the fact that we're getting another Indiana Jones film. Oh. So I know where I will be at the end of June slash early July. Yeah. For sure. Oh my God. I will see it in theaters again. TBD. It's okay, Steven. But we'll forgive you. I'm, I'm also really yeah. worried about that. Well, <laughs> just with the franchises that you grow up with, whether we're talking Star Wars, whether we're talking Ghostbusters, whether we're talking Indiana Jones, I'm going to be in the theater for the new entry. Same with Batman. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Game time. Okay, so. I will make some modifications. Let me tell you guys how this is going to go. So we ended our Pirates conversation with a game between the four of us hosts, and now we get one here. Is Are, are so, we competitors? It's yes. like... No mercy. Mm-mm. Okay, so... I'm going to lose. <laughs> so there's... With that attitude, Steven. So the goal of this game is just to earn as many points as possible. And here's how this is going to go. The starting question for each of you, and we're just going to rotate, so I'll go around to each one of you. Your initial question will just be the title of a movie. Oh, boy. And then you just have to say, after I ask, was it a summer blockbuster, yes or no? <gasps> so that oh, is the okay. first question. Okay. You just have to get that right. I thought I had was to guess it... the title of the no, movie. No, 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 no. I give you the title of the movie. You tell me whether or not it's a summer blockbuster. Okay. You, if, you, if, if you get that question right, you then have the opportunity to earn two additional points. An additional point if you tell me the year of release, and another point after that if you can even give me the month. Will you give me prices right rules where it's mm, like you got to get both of those dead on. But again, but again, <laughs> some films and their releases like there's gonna be. And I have this the order of these films. I went through and mixed and matched them, so there's not. This is definitely not chronological. Uh, there might even be a couple entries I will skip over because they came up in this conversation. We already had certain details given That's away. That's not cheating. That's not cheating. <laughs> That's just luck. <laughs> uh, but I will begin with uh, just a couple of other caveats. So here's the window that I'm taking from this. Let's start with within the year timeline. Most people consider the summer movie window to start at the beginning of May. 
I initially, when I made this list, was starting at like Memorial Day and then even looking like, what is the earliest in any calendar year that Memorial Day could be? It's, okay, let's not overcomplicate this. If it came out in May, it's good. Okay. And then May through, I am taking it May through the actual end of summer to September 21st. So you have an almost five-month window that in that timing-wise where this film could be considered a summer blockbuster. Now for the other caveat. In terms of timing, everything on this list... Well, actually, okay, not everything on this list because I did throw in a few decoys. Uh, I This list was made with the idea being that the blockbuster era began with Jaws. Okay. So if it came out in the summer of 75, it's good. If it came out earlier than 75, it is not a summer blockbuster for the purposes of this game. Ooh, tricky, tricky. So, and there are through Godfather out. It came out in '73 too. And there are a few. Yeah, and there, right. well, there, but there are several. There are there are a few movies on here that are from '74. So they tricky, they will be they will be ben. the decoys. Let's uh, go. However, also th- this is not on the list, but this is one piece of trivia. When I was looking up, and this gets back to the money question, I was going by annual box office earnings for making this list. So if it popped up here, it was high up at some point, whether it was the year it came out or maybe still in the year after if it like came out late in the year. There's a general relevance to all of these that we would associate with blockbusters. And given I am not counting 1974, no points for this, but just out of curiosity, who can name the, ti- the highest grossing movie of 1974? Overboard. I would also encourage you as you listen to follow along and see how many points you can get. <laughs> I will I will give you guys a hint. It is my requisite reference to this particular creator for an episode because I always bring him up. Batman. Nope. <laughs> creator, not character. One of two of this director's biggest movies that surprisingly both came out in 1974. Christopher Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The answer we were looking for there was Blazing Saddles. The first of the two uh, Mel Brooks films that came out from that year was the highest grossing film yep. <laughs> in 1974. So, again, I have these movies in no particular order. But if you give me whether or not it's a blockbuster and then year and then month, you have an opportunity for three points. The is first, there a chance to steal? The fir- no. The first, one you, <laughs> the first one you get wrong ends the question of that movie. I give the remaining information and then we move on to the next person. Caleb, could you go over there and grab a D20? Let's determine who's going first. Again, <laughs> yes. 74 is the earliest I'm go- for movies I'm going to give you. All of the movies on this list also came out collectively before we were born. Also so this oh. so this list runs from 1974 to 1993. So, Stephen, go ahead and roll. Let's see if you're going first. That's a nine. A 12. Okay, Larissa might be going first, or Caleb will be. 16. Caleb is All leading right. off. All right, makes this easy. Okay, so our first movie. Is it a summer blockbuster by the previously laid out definitions and restrictions? Blade Runner. No. Yes, it is. Ah. And it it came out on June 25th in the year 1982. That feels like a winter movie. Well, truth. It does feel like one, but, you know. It was a summer blockbuster. I love Blade Runner. All right. I'm ready. Superman. That feels like a trick. Yes. It is not a summer blockbuster. Shoot. It came out on December 15th of 1978. Dang it. All right. Uh, we're not going far from Superman. Steven, Batman. Which Batman? Yeah, I was about to say, is this the... Well, I answer one of my questions if I get yeah. more specific, okay. so I will simply say Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. first yeah. of the Burton entries. Yes. 
It is a summer blockbuster. Dang. Point for Steven on the board. Can and it you came give, out in 1989. You've got the year. Can you give me the month? Uh, July. We got to catch him. It came out on June 23rd, 1989. You were very close to getting <laughs> three points really on that close. one. All right. Uh, You're the first on the board, tried. though. Good job, right. Steven. Caleb, yeah. we come back to you. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me the year? It came out in... I think I know. 1988. Nope. 92. So, funny enough, uh, the reason these two are next to each other in the list, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out on the exact same day as Batman 89. Really? (laughs) Wow. All right. That's cool. Didn't know that. Larissa, we're back to you. Airplane. Oh, yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me the year? Sure. Uh, 19... 79. Oh, so close. It was 1980. In fact, it was July 4th of 1980, which just Who feels like the most. On July 4th. Well, it just, it, that just feels like the most American date yeah, in no, history. That's fair. <laughs> Especially for that. July movie. 4th of 1980. All right. You're on the board. Uh, Steven, we come back to you. The Adams Family. No. That is correct. Can you give me the. On timing, can you give me the year? 74. That's way, way more recent. Came out in 1991. And oh, that Adams yeah. family. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> because there wasn't one in the 70s. I well, should know that. The TV show in the 60s, yeah. And, but, and, we, and that one, I understand why you would say no, because we would associate it with Halloween. It actually came out after that. It came out on November 22nd of 1991. Oh, strange. <laughs> that Thanksgiving birthday. movie. All right. Huh. Caleb, we come back to you. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. It is not, and the reason being, for the purposes of this game, it came out in, or it came out on October 18th of 1974. Uh, it's too early. That's the first but of our decoys. But it was also October. Yep, yeah. yeah but, but, by, but by year, we are not counting it. That's a good trick one. These are good questions, Ben. Uh, we have one that we uh, watched deliberately for the podcast for you, Larissa. Rocky. <laughs> yes. It is not. It came out, well, it came out on November 21st of 1976. <laughs> All right. I have ninety two. Oh gosh. All I right. love guessing numbers. Steven, National Lampoon's Animal House. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me I the year? That one too. It's always it's later than I think it is. Nineteen eighty. 1978. It came out on July 28th of 1978. 1978. All right. Caleb, Greece. Yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me the year? 82. Same year as Animal House, 78. Came out on wow. June 16th Older of 1978. I wow. I didn't All right. realize that now, was that Now, this is going to become obvious, uh, but when it comes to franchises, I only picked one entry for each. Yeah. Which is why, Larissa, you were getting Star Wars. Oh, my God. People are going to hate me if I get this wrong. Well, yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Oh, most assuredly. Oh, yeah. But the year, 76. Oh, one year too early. It came out on May 25th of 1977. That's okay. I didn't know. I knew it was 77. I didn't know it was a May, but I knew it was 77. All right. Steven, the Muppet movie. (gasps) (laughs) Ooh. Uh, Yes. Yes, it is. Can you give me the year? No, I cannot. <laughs> take, take a stab at it. Uh, 1978. Nope. It was June 22nd of 79. You were very <gasps> close. All right. Is Back to the Future on this list? We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I get right. that one. Caleb, Lethal Weapon. No. 
That is correct. It came out on, yeah, or you, you were correct. So I'm not going to give you that information. Can you give me the year? <laughs> you know, we're outside of that summer window, but can you give uh, me the year? 81? 87. Came out on uh. March 6, 1987. All right. Larissa, the Blues Brothers. No. It is by the definitions of this game. Uh, it came out on June 20th of 1980. And again, Ooh. we've talked in the podcast how, while not as maybe necessary, not as uh, successful initially, definitely saw a resurgence later on. All right. <laughs> okay. There's, I'm realizing I'm hitting Steven repeatedly with some that might fall into the screwball comedy genre. Caddyshack. Who? Caddyshack. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, it is. Can you give me the year? 82. Nope. It came out on July 25th of 1980. <sighs> Close. Man. Bruce Brothers and Caddyshack came out in the same year. Yep. What's the current wow. point standing? Uh, Steven has five. Caleb has three. Larissa, you have two. Wow. <laughs> it is. We have many more movies to go. It is anybody's ball game. Several All right. hours later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Caleb, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Most assuredly. Can you give me the year? I always think I know when I'm wrong. Because we've talked. 84? 81. That's Temple of Doom. Raiders of the Lost Ark came out on June 12th of 1981. I knew it. Wow. I got one. Yeah. You don't get points for that one. I don't, though. (laughs) But I feel good. You were the one that asked about stealing, though. I can see why. You have the opportunity to jump in. (laughs) Larissa, E.T. Ooh. uh, Yes. Oh, most assuredly. We've got Spielberg. Yep. June. Can you you give me the year? Uh, 79. 82. And given, I thing is, you did know the month, but because I was going to ask you your first, I can't give you the point for that. All right. Ouch. Steven. Gandhi. Gandhi? No. That is correct. Can you give me the year? Oh, I don't know. 1989. 82. December 8th of 1982. I don't know. I have no idea when movies were made. <laughs> apparently. I just knew it wasn't a summer blockbuster. That's all I know. Fair is enough. Is Bill and Ted on the list? It is not on my list, no. That's okay. Caleb, Flashdance. Yes. It is not. It came out on April 15th of 1983. April, I was a month off. This game is fun. Larissa, Mm. Ghostbusters. It seems like a tricky one because is that like a holiday release, but there's nothing Christmassy in the movie. So I'm going to say it doesn't feel right, but I'm going to say yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give it a year? 81. 84. June 8th, 1984. (laughs) Steven, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. It is not. It was a a Christmas release. It came out on December 5th, 1984. Christmas Yep, December 5th, 84. Huh, weird. Caleb, Footloose. (laughs) (laughs) The look you just gave me. (laughs) In my heart, I want to say yes, so I'm going to say yes. It came out in... February. No. On the 17th of 1984. Oh, a Valentine's movie. (laughs) All these movies feel like summer movies. Exactly. We did put loose in my high school musical. Yeah. Named Kevin Bacon. Chorus Woman. All right. Larissa, the Karate Mm. Kid. Oh, no. Um, yes. Yes, it is. Can you give me the year? 1985. One off. It's June 22nd of 84. Oh, close. Yeah. Oh, right. Lots of, lots of, lots of movies that summer. Mm-hmm. Steven, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That doesn't strike me as a summer blockbuster. I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to say no. That is correct. Oh, wow. Ah. Can you give me the year? 1980. 
89? Uh, much earlier. Uh, this one oh, right. is, is very old. nearly a decoy. Came out on November 19th of 75. Huh, wow. Oh. It's a lot older than I thought it was. Caleb, The Breakfast Club. Oh, it's John Hughes. <laughs> I'm going to say no. That is correct. Can you give me the oh. year? 85? That is correct. Can you give Ooh. me the month? <laughs> John Hughes. John Hughes. I'm going to say February. That is correct. Woo! You and Steven are tied for the lead, and you have our first oh, three bagger of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can still get in this. Yes, you can. What are the point standings? Uh, you are at five. Caleb and Steven are ahead of you, but only by two points. Ooh. You could, you could take watch the lead. Watch out. Watch out. Jurassic Park. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, it is. Can you give me the year? 1991. 93. Oh. Came out June 4th. Spielberg oh. loves his June releases. June, June 11th of 1993. Steven, Top Gun. Yes. Yes, it is. Can you give me the year? 89. 86. Came out May 16th <sighs> of 86. When this was, the, this was the one I had to change because when I initially had it as the Memorial Day, but not all of May, Top Gun flipped from a no to a yes, which felt right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Mm. For sure. I just... All right. It's okay. You tried your best. You I were close. All right. Caleb, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. It is a summer blockbuster. Dang. It came out on June 11th of 1986. The lead is mine again. All right. <laughs> Larissa, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, ooh, I really don't know. I'm just going to guess yes. Uh, no, it, it was a December release. came out December 16th of 1977. Steven, The Man with the Golden Gun. It's a bond. Yep. Bonds never come out in the summer. Uh-huh. Did that one come out in the summer? It's one of the ones I don't like. <laughs> what? Actually, I do. Well, I do don't you just like, like the Moore. summer generally, Stephen. No, I no, I don't like that Bond. You don't like Odd Job? <laughs> Odd Job's not in that one. That's gold. That's Goldfinger. I like Man with the Golden Gun. Go look at the same thing. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say no. Uh, that is correct. Can you give me the year? Seventy-seven. This was one of the decoys that came out in it was on, before that. It came out 74? December twentieth, nineteen seventy-four. Yep. All right. That's all right. I still yeah, got you, it right. You, yeah, you at least got the yes or no on the Bond Bonds decoy. never come out in the summer. All right. That one did, however, have Christopher Lee as uh, Scaramanga, <laughs> the man with the golden gun. That's true. You would, might know him from later in this episode as Saruma. Ooh. <laughs> Caleb, The Untouchables. <laughs> no. It is a summer blockbuster. June 3rd, 1987. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are down to our last one, two. We are down to our last. I'm going to make it our last eight so that everybody has the same amount. That sounds good. Yep. So Uh, basically each of us besides Caleb has three more. He has two more. Yes, that is correct. Uh, Larissa, Chinatown. Chinatown? (laughs) No. That is correct because it came out in 1974. You caught one of the decoys. Although I just gave you the year. That's so. okay. It's okay. You don't point. have to give me a point on it. That feels like cheating. I will. Then let you, again, I am behind. I will. And I'm let, not I will let you. Of... I will let you guess the month. Okay. Nineteen seventy-four. November. Remember, it wasn't listed as a summer blockbuster because of the year. It actually did come uh, out in June. All hmm. right. Fair enough. Stephen, who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Um, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd in that movie, uh, yes. man. Goodness. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me the year? <laughs> 1990. No, it's earlier than that, isn't it? It came out in 1988, June 22nd, 1988. Caleb, good morning, Vietnam. Okay. Oh. 
this feels like a trick. <laughs> but they all feel like tricks. Uh, no. That is correct. Can you give me the year? 82? Nope, 87. Came out Ooh, December 23rd of 1987. This close. December all right. 87. I threw 88. Okay. Larissa, Sister Act. Great movie. I've never seen that movie. Whoopi Goldberg's in that, right? Yep. She and I have the same birthday. Oh, cool. Fun fact. Uh, so with that, I'm going to say no. It is a summer blockbuster. Came out Ooh. on May 29th of 92. Fair All enough. All right. Steven, The Hunt for Red October. Also great movie. It's Russian. It's cold. It probably came out in the summer, but I'm going to say no. That is correct. Can you give me Ooh. the year? <laughs> um, today we sail into history. Uh, Alec Baldwin's fairly young, ninety. That is correct. Can you give me the month? December came out in March, March second, nineteen ninety. That's okay. That's you okay. Almost you had still our did second good. Three bagger still did good. Game. I was gonna say, I think I'll lose, but I'll have the only three bagger. <laughs> That's fair, man. That's All fair. Right. Uh, there's there's one more that I think someone could have a decent shot at. And we'll get to it in a moment. How many rounds are left? One or two? You are each down to your last movie. Final <gasps> oh, round. No. Pressure's on, baby. Ah! I don't think you can catch me. Caleb, Wayne's World. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> Actually, I don't know the answer. Yes. It is not. It came out also ah, Valentine's really Day, <laughs> February 14th of 1992. Oh, she wrote. Larissa, Back to the Future. <gasps> Did you give me that one on purpose, Ben, or did I just get lucky? Just got lucky. Oh, God. I know what year. I know what month it was released. I know the year. Uh, do I know whether... Wait, I do know then. Yes. It is a summer blockbuster. Can you give me the month? Is or it... can be the year? 1985. That is correct. Can you give me the month? July? Yep. And if for those <laughs> for those who needed a refresher, <laughs> we see people seeing it the day after it came out in season three of Stranger Things. Oh. That's the power. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So, Stephen, you cannot no, be caught, and you're answering the last question. So, this is just for some added margin. The fugitive, Harrison Ford. Um, yes. Yes, it is a summer blockbuster. Yeah. Can you give me the year? Oh, no, is, I'm going to say 89 again. 93 came yeah. out on July oh, 6th right. of 1993. All right, you got 13 points when Steven the dust did. settled. He did. Larissa, you ended up with 10. That Back to the Future three-bagger put you in second. And Woo! Caleb, you were not far behind with eight points on the game. Well done, everybody. That was <laughs> my empire. You guys did very well with that, all things considered. And given again, we did not overlap in our lives with when these movies were released was it just luck ben that i got back to the future or was that a kindness from you no it was just luck Woohoo! i, I had Sorry, it in, i had oh, I, I had it in my final <laughs> three. I, I got breakfast club and that feels very that feels good <laughs> well on that note dear listener go out and watch some summer movies and then <laughs> yeah, tell us about out, it please yes. go out for me because the likelihood of me going out is very low so you've got to go do it for me right Live vicariously. Report Please. back. Tell us about your experiences. You can write us at info at storytelling-breakdown.com. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you as we look forward to a wonderful summer of movies to come. Woo! Now for some Lord of the Rings.
Welcome back, dear listener, to the Scenes, scenes of, of Power. We're covering the Mines of Moria, in particular the Bridge of Casa Doom that violates every OSHA regulation known to man. And the name of the kick-ass Howard Shore song. Yeah. Yes. What a soundtrack. I mean, chanting in Dwarvish, pretty, pretty stellar. Well, and even that version from the theatrical cut is consistently a song I'll cue up. It's usually first one of, okay, we're about to work on brainstorming for some D&D stuff. Cue the music. <laughs> yeah. You know what it also reminds me? It reminds me of the uh, Dark Knight Rises. Um, oh, Desi, Desi, Basara, Basara, Desi, 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 Desi yeah, Basara. That's fair. It does remind me of it. Uh, this is a very different feeling, very different scene, but it does remind me of it. The you track. music nerds. They did a call out for just fan voices for before the dark knight rises with no context and it was just record yourself saying this part in this rhythm and i did that with my brother and some friends uh, so uh, you're in it, the dark knight well, rises in, in theory i i, I mean i think you should just general commit call and out when, like people you like give us a fun fact and you're like my voice is in the dark knight rises and I, just commit awesome. to it i highly doubt they it, can't but when you're trying but when you're trying to put together like just a gang vocal like that i can imagine it's like yeah let's source this they did all kinds place. of multi-tracking weird things for mm-hmm. those films Hans Zimmer did getting like 45 tubas in an incomplete uh, wind turbine so it was just the stock is that the proper way this is the tower and it was incomplete so the top was open he put the mics all at the top of it and then how all the tubas for the weird low burr cool. sound is just all of the tubas at the bottom of the of the giant metal tube that's what the, <laughs> all the micro- sound is I think so what <laughs> I'd a have time to, look to this be up alive again. that it's we so have the resources to invest in these strange and exciting projects well it's like mm-hmm. Star Wars the TIE fighters are just a busted Honda muffler anyway back to Lord, back of, the to Rings. Lord of the Rings now that we've gone off our chant Foley art is awesome sound sound making for mo- movies is amazing not necessarily what we're talking about but we're, we're talking about the scenes of power so initial thoughts I was struck by how powerful the music was because even though I haven't seen these movies, I don't think, and I've just been seeing clips, this was surprisingly moving. And I think the music played a big role in that. Especially at the end of the scene when they actually get out of the mountain Mm -hmm. after Gandalf's death. Yeah. And you're like... Spoilers. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yo, you've had 22 years to watch this movie. And several episodes worth of Scenes of Power where it's very clear what we're doing. Yeah, Um, yeah, the the music through, especially through the chase scene to the bridge and then right after the bridge, after they've lost Gandalf as the, uh, the party, right as the Fellowship's lost Gandalf, the music is drives these scenes it would not be the same scenes without this this stellar score that howard shore has provided i mean especially you get after the bridge and after the balrog and and gandalf have fallen the the high boy soprano because that's it is a boy soprano um singing that somebody he was studying like oxford cambridge you know part of the boys choir in england and he gets just it's just a really moving piece of music that's a beautiful note it drives the scene home in a lot of ways. As I was watching it, I'll have to Google it. I was curious whether Shrek came out before or after this movie because there's a lot of moments before, before really. Ooh. That feel that feel I, Shrek like what with when the dragon chases Shrek very and Donkey. Close contem- oh yeah, and there's like the, this red really? hallway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there so was there, a time for dragony demon type things chasing people down castle hallways with narrow bridges. That ba- the, it's called so it's called a Balrog. Um, and the demon, that, yeah, the demon of the the demon world. was cool looking. He's very cool. I love the design. For I those. didn't realize he was gonna be as evil as he was, but because at first I was like, "Oh, he's neat. I'm into this now. What's he up to?" And then he did bad, bad things. Yes. If you want to go back and listen Ooh. to the edited version of our last scenes of power uh, after we asked you where you were at percentage wise. I said, well, we'll see what a Balrog can do for those numbers or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was where we left it because this was the next scene up. You know me, the Ben. The facts are in. 
Shrek came first. <laughs> really? <laughs> Shrek was released in May of 2001, and Fellowship of the Rain is December. Yeah, when like they were staring at that big castle hallway and this orange glow just came through it. Yeah. Like I haven't seen Shrek recently, but I've definitely seen it way more times than I've seen Lord of the Rings. That's fair. Uh, that That's also fair. is probably true for me. <laughs> and I've seen Lord of the Rings a lot. Well, and I, it's been so long since I have watched, I've Shrek, watched Shrek, but Shrek I still recall years. the shot of where it's like, oh, the <laughs> visual of where someone clearly got roasted to a crisp <laughs> yes. and the outline is on the wall. It's like, yeah. There's elements where you can yeah you could see the connections that can be drawn so what we miss is there's actually a scene uh before all of this where saruman is discussing what may or may not be in the minds of moria he's like the balrog's hype man yeah kind of and he says it's a demon of shadow and flame and and tolkien never really gave (laughs) a ton of physical descriptions of balrogs other than saying they are demons of smoke and flame what's really interesting about about balrogs is you get into the deeper lore uh, Gandalf and Balrogs are the same spiritual being. Yep. They're basically the same species. What? Uh-huh. So the original Big Bad, way, way back in the beginning, he corrupted a number of the spiritual beings that Gandalf is from. They're called Maya. And the number of Maya who fell became the Balrogs of Morgoth. The original Big Bad was Morgoth. Yeah. So they're they're um, like equal power level, Gandalf so and yeah, Balrog. Gandalf is like, I don't want to fight this guy because I don't know if I can take him. Well, hold on. So the Balrog decides to live in this, like, super dangerous, massive cavern. He was sleeping. In the he cavern. He was locked but then away he is still... a better way to describe yeah. it. He was part... locked away there. So it wasn't his choice yeah. to reside no. Part of Saruman's hype man dialogue is the dwarves dug too greedily and too deep. You know what they awoke in the darkness. Turns the page of an old book and there's a... A very a awesome illustration of what may or may yeah. not be a Balrog. You know what's wild to me, though? All the years that I've seen the you shall not pass meme, mm-hmm. I didn't learn until today that Gandalf dies after that. I just oh, yeah. was aware of the meme. Yeah. So pop culture is funny. <laughs> this is true. It did become a meme, and it's a great meme. Like I was saying before the mics got turned on, I had a professor play that soundtrack right before a final for a music theory course, and it scared the crap out of everybody. Note to self for the fall semester. Uh, <laughs> so I know my answer to this question, which is why I will ask it to the two of you. Again, pieces of media that just have a lot of elements to them. You're always going to notice cool new things on rewatch. Anything stick out in particular to you guys this go around? I'd never actually noticed this before, but when the when they're on the endless staircase and it breaks and it's Aragorn and Frodo on it and like, you know, it breaks and they fall forward and then fall into the group. I didn't realize that Boromir is the one who catches Frodo. Before he is actively endeavoring to protect the hobbits. And like See, teach, and the we peep, skipped a scene. Where we skipped a scene where he's teaching fight. them sword oh, play, and it's so he's, they have like a cute moment where they're like, eventually they just he's, tackle. He's him. beating them with the swords, and he's like, no, no, you gotta do this. And Merry and Pippin look at each other, and they just tackle him, and like they're like, and they're laughing and having the a good time. They're palling around. Boromir is a seriously misunderstood character. He is not a bad man by he any is stretch a meme of the imagination. Man. He's not even mean. No meme. The one, one who does says... not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs> yes, he is also a meme. Oh, that's funny. But as a character, he he has grown up in the throes of war. He's been a soldier his whole life. And he's a good one. And he's a good one in the sense that he protects the people around him. He gets his men out of the fight. He makes sure that as many of them get out get home alive as he can. And that's been his job since he was old enough to swing a sword. 
And so he he takes that protector aspect. That is his downfall. That's where the ring works its way in because eventually he is corrupted, and we'll see that. What you do see, especially when, especially pointing out, yeah, you're right, he catches Frodo. Is yeah, I never noticed that before. He yeah. he is the one who he does, along with Aragorn and the rest of the party, he does really try his best to look out for everyone around him. But particularly um, the hobbits. But especially the hobbits, because in his mind folk. it's kind of hard for him to break with the idea that somebody that small is not a child. So that's part of it, but also because the hobbits are, they're not used to this kind of Well, life. and meme man does not like handsome man because handsome man is going to take his job one day. Or can't he? Ha- he has the rights to his job. Yeah, that's a complicated relationship too. Because memes, man, his dad mm-hmm. is like the ruler of their country right now. Yeah, but Aragorn is the rightful heir to that country. Little things that you notice on this rewatch, I was appreciating just the details and some of those wide tracking shots as they're moving. Uh, everything from when they're initially starting to descend the staircase, you will see one character go from probably like fourth step here to now like three steps down here they just jump from one to the other of course it's Legolas so the fact that they include a detail like that from that distance away we missed the scene where Legolas is literally walking on top of snow and everybody else is like pushing their way through snow up to their chest is it like a balance thing? Fleet-footed elves. It's, yeah. it's elves. Just, yeah. It's I mean, elves. They cheat. <laughs> he's got a few superpowers, yeah. <laughs> the elves cheat. It's and fine. The other one I noticed, which makes sense, especially because we the two things that we watched tonight, because we watched the, the fight in the tomb before we watched uh, the Bridge of Khazad-dum, was I think the first character across the bridge is Aragorn. And when you see him running... He looks winded, <laughs> which makes yeah, sense because the troll got, wiped him out in that previous fight. By that troll, yeah. And he's, but he also the first person across the bridge because there's only two people in their party with bows. Mm-hmm. So if he is, so if anybody's going to cover the retreat, it's going to be one of two people. It's going to hey, be Aragorn Gimli or has throwing axes. Legolas. <laughs> Do you know what the range? <laughs> Do you know what the range of a throwing axe is? Like thirty feet. I liked that he was a proud, independent dwarf man who said. I'm going to cop down these steps all on my own. No one, toss, no one tosses a dwarf. Remember that line. His no line is, tosses, no one tosses a dwarf. That's hilarious. That line is important later. We'll get to it. That's it's, like Queen of Genovia <laughs> yeah, level. Yes. What did she say? Yeah, I'd never slide. I glide. I glide. Yeah. Which yes. is ironic because, again, John Rhys-Davies is in the sequel. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Here's my question. Something I was struck by as I watched these scenes was the affection between these men. And how they held each other and were palling around and were nice. Is that what these movies give you guys? Like, are those the yes. only situations in which you are allowed to express that part of yourself? It was, for me, it was one of the first major pieces of media that showcased that. Mm. That it was okay to be very affectionate and, like, vulnerable with other men. And it gets, it, it, oh, it only goes up from here. Yeah, like, it, it does. There's a really, it is a... A, a wonderful example, and and you get this from the books too, but this, especially being a visual medium, being a, something that was coming out as we were kids, it is a wonderful example of of true fraternal, brotherly love, and and in a way that goes beyond what we're normally shown. Mm-hmm. That scene right after Gandalf falls, and the music is going, and you saw, I was I was struck by it. I haven't watched this since before my grandfather died. Gandalf is very similar in a lot of ways to my grandfather, and. And to those characters, he was very grandfatherly, especially the hobbits, Aragorn, because he's been alive as long as everyone else has, if not a whole heck of a lot longer. They've known him. Every every member of that fellowship has known Gandalf since they were kids, even Legolas, who's 2,000 plus years old. Dang. They just watched their, their 
this wise, powerful, slightly enigmatic, slightly mysterious man. Slightly cantankerous at times. A little bit cantankerous, but also loving, kind. Mischievous. Mischievous. Especially Very the, I mean, grandfatherly. The Very yeah. grandfatherly character. They've just watched him die. And that's why you see, I mean, the hobbits are just beside themselves. Yeah, uh, when like Pippin, Pippin or Mary's and Mary. holding Pippin like in his lap as yeah. he's crying. And... Samwise, Frodo, Frodo's just like in shock. Um, but even Boromir is 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 crying, and that's okay. And nobody nobody gets ridiculed. Not with for Aragorn. Crying. Aragorn's Aragorn, like we have business to attend to. Aragorn's right, the one who somebody's yep. got to keep everybody alive. So Aragorn's the one. It kind of falls to him. This is the this is the movie trilogy that makes me think we should bring platonic forehead kisses between men like back into mainstream culture because it happens a lot it does it 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 does does actually happen more than once and i one of the one of the things that i was struck by after watching this movie and growing up with these movies when i got to working at blue lake the counselors that i worked with most closely were almost all guys because i worked on the 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 side of camp where all the boys lived and and everything and we had 1400 students on camp at a time but it was one of the first times i ever remember a friend friends People who are not my family ending conversations with love you. And that was not normal amongst the guy relationships that I'd had. That makes sense. But one of the things that happened very early in my career at camp was a kid, a camper, compared the nine members, the nine counselors in our unit to being the fellowship. And we all just embraced it. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the reasons I'm partial to Boromir is because the kids all said I was Boromir. (laughs) 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 And I I don't know how I feel about it, but there it is. that's a question not for today because I think I need to see more of it part of what made that okay and I just never questioned it was a because I kind of wish more of my friends had said that before because it's true and also because we were all kind of sort of in the back of our heads pretending to be part of the Lord of the Rings anyways and this Mm. felt like something that would happen in Lord of the Rings and it does Um, I think it's a really good example especially for young guys who don't get that example very often Mm -hmm. so I, I there are more scenes that you will. You, I think you will have the same thought. I really do. And I th- it's very intentional up. because mm-hmm. Tolkien fought in World War One, so like he brought that camaraderie yeah. that he experienced in real life into his work. And he fought in the worst parts of World War One. Yeah, I mean there was nothing good about that war. There's nothing good about any war. Trenches, baby. But that war was bad. Um, and he brought that back. So did Lewis, actually. C.S. Lewis also fought. There's a lot of things that have changed. That change. When in regards to only character, and we can get into this now or we can discuss this some other time, but Aragorn is the one that undergoes the biggest character change between book and movie. And I think actually it is a strong decision for the movies because Aragorn comes onto the scene in the books ready without giving too much away to, mm, to Larissa. Mm-hmm. He hits the scene in the books and he is he's ready for his he destiny. is ready for his destiny. He has embraced it already. In the movies, he, he's not ready for his yeah. destiny. In the movies, to he's, be the he's rather, heir? Yeah. He oh, knows who he is mm-hmm. in the movies, but he is he has not taken command of that destiny yet. I suspect that earlier in this episode, we're recording this spotlight before we record the main body, uh, that we will have delved through several memories of childhood film watching. And while I did not see Fellowship of the Ring in theaters, uh, seeing this particular movie on, wait for it, VHS, <laughs> two of them because it's the Fellowship of the Ring. I did own all three on VHS yep, once upon yep. a time, and just having that experience and running around doing the "You shall not pass" as a kid is a fond memory again. Just, wait, the, wait, wait, tell me resonate. more, Ben. What yeah. do you mean running around yelling well, "You shall the, not the pass"? The fact that this movie got ben me interested in is a wizard voice and character. 
And just in terms of Saruman and Gandalf, like they were the two characters I ended well, up I quoting the most. I don't know about you two other gentlemen, but as a, I mean, as a child, you would find a stick like in the yard, and, and now it is a sword in my that imagination. Is or a and it is now mine. And you run around in the backyard, and you're pretending to be the characters. Or you, you go know, to Johnny Appleseed, and you convince your dad to buy to you buy you a wooden nice sword. Ones. And then I broke my yeah, wooden sword because I accidentally hit it against a tree. And what I, do you mean accidentally, Caleb? Well, I it was hit, actually, I was he like hit the tree, but he didn't intend for didn't it to intend. <laughs> No, I didn't actually intend for it to hit the tree. Oh, okay. I was just, it was like in my peripheral and I didn't see it. And it smacked it and broke. And I went inside Aww. and cried to my parents. I had a friend like who lived down. Broke. Yeah, I had a friend who lived down the street and he bought a battle axe at Johnny Appleseed. And I got a big long sword, like one of the nice ones. Mm-hmm. And he broke my sword when we were trying to beat the ever loving out of each other. So mm. it was not a fun day. I had bruises. So did he, but I had bruises. Emotional ones. He broke your sword, man. <laughs> Emotional and physical. <laughs> As we have gone through each of these, we do need to ask, uh, where are we at percentage-wise after the Bridge of Khazad Doom? You know what? I will give it an increase. I don't feel overwhelmed, but I am more curious than before. So I'm going to put me at a solid 43%. I was hopeful we'd get to the 30s, 43. That's I'll wonderful. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we started at like 15, so... <laughs> I That's good. 43. I want to know how it plays out. There's a lot of movie for me to get the answer to that question, but I'm curious enough that if it was on, I'd be like, all There's right, like I'll see this through. There's character dynamics in play now. Yeah. And like some conflict. Yes. There's more coming up. There's more coming up. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review, give a rating, subscribe, and share with your friends from wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps Storytelling Breakdown reach more people and grow our community. Check out the Storytelling Breakdown blog, past episodes, reach out, leave a comment, send a message. You can find Storytelling Breakdown on Facebook and Instagram, and you can reach our team at info at storytelling-breakdown.com. Again, people, that is info at storytelling-breakdown.com, not underscore. You can also find our miniseries episodes for Campaign Diaries and RPG Decades at our website and where podcasts are found. Our theme music is by Kurt Remke. Our logo is by Daniel Church. Our podcast is hosted wherever you get your podcasts by John Dawkins and Wayne Shout Productions. Everyone has a story. These are some of our favorites. And this has been Storytelling Breakdown. SP Wayne Shout Productions. Wayne Shout. <laughs>